I'm Nicole Matthews, corporate America dropout turned entrepreneur and owner of The Henley Company, an event travel and lifestyle management firm. It wasn't that long ago that I was dreading my drive to my fancy corporate job each day or felt disenfranchised with the work I was doing. In 2007, I jumped off the corporate escalator and directly into the elevator of opportunity. Today, I'm an author, speaker, educator, and serial asker. I wholeheartedly believe that your life changes when you start creating your own opportunities and making big asks. Hands down, the business and life I have today is 100% the product of giving myself permission to design the life I want to live. It was always my dream to work at the Olympics, and by making a big ask, that dream became a reality. I now have multiple Olympic projects to add to my life resume. I created the Big Ask Podcast to share these best practices with you. Whether you're an entrepreneur hungry for revenue-generating tips or an individual restless to make a significant change, the life you want to live could be just one big ask away. Get ready to be entertained by real life stories, no filter conversations, and inspired by the daily hustle. So let's get started. This is the Big Ass Podcast. You are listening to the Big Ask Podcast, episode number six. I'm your host, Nicole Matthews. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Jasmine Corona, entrepreneur and owner of Jasmine Corona Insurance Agency, which is under the Farmers Insurance umbrella, and mama to two adorable boys. What I love about Jasmine is her enthusiasm for educating business owners about the necessities of insurance protection, her ability to cultivate and foster relationships, and her passion for celebrating women. So Jasmine, thanks so much for joining me today on the Big Ask Podcast. You're welcome. Congratulations on your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. So uh, you and I have known each other for a couple of years, but um, let's just let the listeners in on a little bit of your backstory. So tell us about yourself and about the agency that you own. Well, I went into business back in 2007, um, originally moved here to San Diego in 2003. And so I've had the business for 11 years and... um, Yeah, it's super exciting. I love it. (laughs) So what brought you to San Diego originally? I know you're from that foreign country called Alaska. Yes. (laughs) We were commenting earlier that Alaska always feels like a foreign place. I know. I know. It is so far away. You know, it's so funny. It takes nine hours to get to where I'm from, which I'm like, we could travel to Europe or we could go so many other places besides Alaska. (laughs) When I'm booking that flight, I always think about that. Um, Yeah. So I originally grew up in Alaska and um, I always dreamed of living in California. And so um, just one day, packed up and and moved down here. And that was in 2003. I can't believe people who do that. I'm so in awe of that. I was born and raised in San Diego. And so when I hear people that either move here because they can't handle another winter, wherever Mm, they were from, or they just sort of flipped a coin and said, left coast, right coast. Um, I'm always, I'm always intrigued by what that conversation with yourself is before you set, you know, pack up your little minivan or your little Honda Civic or whatever it might've been and, and head down to uh, California. Exactly. Did you know anybody here and how did you pick San Diego? Um, I had a sister that lived here and, um, I actually lived in Portland, Oregon for five years before moving to San Diego. So I moved, just kept moving a little bit (laughs) south, south, south. Um, so yeah, Portland was amazing, um, but it was very similar to Alaska. Rain, yeah. rain, right. a lot more rain. <laughs> you know, dark in the winter, light mm-hmm. in the summer, mm-hmm. and so um, so yeah. So we just literally a girlfriend of my, mine and I, we just packed up a U-Haul and 
towed my car down here. I and, love it. And yeah, driving through that LA traffic that first time, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I was total culture shock. More people in LA on that freeway than are in Alaska Seriously. in total, right? Oh, 100%. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So you're in San Diego now a few years, and then you decide to um, go into insurance, or was that your background prior to coming? You know what? It wasn't. Um, but, um, you know, I worked retail for many, many years and I always wanted to own a business and I had managed a lot of employees in my past retail experience. And so I thought, you know, I want to do this on my own. And so I researched different businesses that I could do myself without having a huge background Mm -hmm. in that industry. And insurance just made sense Mm -hmm. on so many levels, not just because of that, but the residual income that comes along with it, the opportunity to retire, to be able to pass something on to your, you know, future children, Mm -hmm. um, possibly make it a family business and then as well as being able to you know sell it when you're done so right um so it it just kind of had the whole package and then the bonus is that we get to help people right and so um you know it's allowed me to to live a very open and easy lifestyle Mm -hmm, i mean it's not easy owning a business but scheduling and just being able to um you know do what you need to do is is been a great opportunity. Right. So I like to get into um, the nitty gritty a little bit of, you know, it wasn't just one day that you said, oh, I think I'm going to open an insurance agency. Right. So obviously there was some research. You said you were doing some research. And then how did you determine Farmers was the right agency or parent company for Mm -hmm. you? Um, And then what's that sort of training like all of that. So for somebody who's feeling like I don't, I would have no idea how to start down this path. Let's walk through that a little bit. So the retail company that I worked for was Nordstrom. Okay. And you know, the reputation of Nordstrom. I mean, what's the first thing that comes up in the top of your head about Nordstrom? Customer service. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a company that had that same type of reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, going into insurance, I wanted an insurance company that was financially stable too, (laughs) which is the most important thing. And so, um, so farmers did that, and I researched a lot of the different companies, um, but farmers especially here in California has most market share is the number one insurance carrier. And I wanted to represent a brand just like Nordstrom Mm -hmm. in the insurance industry. And so farmers did that. And also the other reason why I chose farmers versus another great company like State Farm or Allstate or any of the other big named companies that do have a good reputation is because of the specific contract that they give me as an agent. And that is the fact that if farmers insurance will take the business, then I put it through farmers insurance. Mm. But when farmers insurance won't take it or doesn't want it, it doesn't fit in their box, then I have an independent brokerage on the side and I can write it through any insurance carrier that I want. And farmers gave me that opportunity, whereas if you go to State Farm, all they can sell you is State Farm. And so I have the opportunity to help everybody no matter what. Mm-hmm. Great, okay, so and so I assume, is there a buy-in for the a license? How is it, what's the structure? So are you a franchise, do you own a franchise of it? Is it, are you a licensee? Like what is, what's the business structure of 
a farmer's insurance agency? So we are fully independent and we're contracted. So it's not a franchise. It's different now though. When I started in 2007, you literally had to start from zero. You had to start with your very first (laughs) auto insurance policy and you had to build your clientele from there. Now, farmers will sell you a book of business and you can come in with an insurance license and, um, and, and, and automatic income. That didn't happen for me. (laughs) I had to do it the hard way. (laughs) Of course. Yes. Why would I pick anything different? I always choose the hard way, right? (laughs) But you probably have learned far more than just being handed the book of business. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I've had to, you know, you go from being an employee to being your own business owner, Mm -hmm. but yet you're still a salesperson. Mm -hmm. And then you have to still manage people and then you're hiring and then you're human resources. And then, you know, you're like every department when you're first starting, when you don't have help. And so, um, and, and really as a farmer's insurance agency owner, you really are independent. I mean, we have the business name and we have the amazing products, Mm -hmm. but they don't give me this office space. They don't pay my employees salaries. They don't cover my work comp. They don't like, you know what I mean? We Mm -hmm. really are totally independent and that's how the business structure is, which is great. It's an amazing small business opportunity for Mm -hmm. people like me that come from retail, didn't go to college. Right. um, You know, and I'm able to live the American dream without all of that. Right. So absolutely. So you mentioned um, the license. So did you have to go and do they put you through that schooling and how does that work? No, you have to do all of that on your own. Exactly. Okay. So um, I did schooling and the reality is that it's actually, it's it's difficult, but it's it's a short period of time. Okay. It's like 40 hours of studying, mm-hmm. um, a certain amount of hours of ethics, and then you take a state test, and okay. if you pass, you have a license. If you fail, you have to start all over again. Oh, so I hold three licenses. I hold my um, property and casualty insurance license, I hold my life and health license, and then I hold my investment licenses, the six and the 63. Okay. So we are a corporation. We hold the licenses under our corporation name as well as me individually as an insurance agent too. Okay. Okay. And I know your team is growing and that's probably a goal of your business is to bring in other agents under your umbrella. Is that where the the business would be headed? Absolutely. A hundred percent. We're always looking to hire and we're always looking to grow. And, um, absolutely. I'd, that is the next step for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell us something um, super fun about yourself that most people wouldn't know when they meet you. Hmm. Well, you already got that I'm from Alaska. <laughs> yes. um, you know, I grew up doing all of the Alaska outdoor stuff like hunting and fishing and I've mm-hmm. shot guns and I've skinned deer and filleted fish and, you know, all that kind of Alaska stuff. Right. Um, I don't do any of that anymore, though. So my excitement these days is really my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two little kids. Giovanni is five and Leonardo is turning three this month. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's that's all the excitement <laughs> that I have going on right now for the most part in my personal life. Anyways, right. do they appreciate uh, mom's childhood and what you did growing up compared to their childhood? Are they do they understand? You know, I've brought both of them up to Alaska. Giovanni's been three times and Leo's been once. And I think they're still too little. Mm -hmm. And um, you had asked me earlier if I had been back to Alaska Uh recently. And, And I haven't. And I think the reason is because I want my kids to 
be ready to go this yeah. time. You know, it's it's not a vacation for us, you know. Right. So until it's a vacation for the family, I probably won't be going back. So um, he understands my parents come here okay. and they bring really cool stuff yeah. like like um, Alaskan type stuff. And uh-huh. so they're totally intrigued. Um, but but no, not quite yet. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't understand mom's childhood yet compared to, yeah. compared to theirs. So they're growing up in but San Diego. But I can't Diego. wait until I can just send them up there and be like, bye, have fun. <laughs> you know? They're Alaska summer. Exactly. Right? They'll come back. They'll go boys and come back men, I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. I'm sure. Can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I know one of the big things that you're focused on is really educating your clients um, and not just selling insurance, but really educating them and talking through why is it important, why you need to hold the insurance policies that you do. So when you first sit down with a new business owner, let's say, what's sort of that process that you walk them through in terms of where their liabilities are and where they need to have coverage? Uh, The first thing that we do is an intake questionnaire. Um, The majority of the time we meet with people face to face because the reality is that you think you need something, but then it goes in a totally different mm-hmm. direction. And so un- until you allow me to ask you those types of questions, um, you know, there really is no business to be had. Mm-hmm. So um, we take an intake questionnaire that just kind of gets a snapshot of their business. And then we take the steps from there. And I wish I had one on, on my desk to show you, but um, <laughs> we have these bright yellow um, sheets that, that we ask all okay. the clients. Mm-hmm. Where do you find that most clients are sort of ignorant about insurance? Where's their lack of knowledge for them? Like, do you get the, oh, I didn't realize I needed that sort of conversation? We do get that. I didn't know I realized I needed that for sure. Um, I think the bigger thing is understanding what is and isn't covered on insurance. I think the biggest um, um, ignorant statement that I'll hear is, oh, I have insurance, I'm covered for everything. Mm. And that's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. When you, if you think about it, you know, right. you can't be covered for everything, <laughs> right. right? And so really being able to work with somebody that you trust, like a, an advisor like myself mm-hmm. or whoever somebody's working with, to be able to want to sit down and, and know what it is. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as a business owner, it's not just, um, you know, there's a lot more responsibility in knowing what you're buying. Mm-hmm versus just having insurance because you're satisfying a lease or right. satisfying a requirement of some sort. Right. And those are the conversations that we get into the most. Mm-hmm. I uh, often tell, um, as an event planner and owner of a business, I, I often tell my students that it's not a matter of if you need insurance, it's a matter of when, right? And unfortunately, there will co- probably come a day for all of us, especially as business owners, when that insurance is going to be important. And I've heard horror stories of the assumption that I thought I was covered and now my my provider is saying no that wasn't part of your policy so I've learned that as I take on different projects that it's important to constantly check in. The The insurance relationship should not be once a year when we talk about my policy and then we never talk to each other again, right? It needs to be an ongoing, now this is a new project I'm working on. This is the scope of the project. How does that fall within, within my insurance? Do you find that clients are sometimes forget to sort of check in with you in terms of projects that they're working on? Well, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I mean, we take pride in really building 
building a relationship with mm-hmm. the people that we're working with and we you know let them know that it's so important that that's why we have to like each other right. and we and you have to want to call me right and you have to remember to call me because I'm not going to be I, I don't know I can't follow you you mm-hmm. know I'm, I can't I, I don't have that type of you know that's not what we do sure but um, my job is to build that relationship with you to where you will remember to call me and mm-hmm. that you want to call me and tell me what's going on so that we can make adjustments as needed mm-hmm. because a hundred percent as cha- businesses change mm-hmm. or you know we see it in restaurants where they get an extra license or they hire more people or you know there's just a lot of ins and outs with mm-hmm. insurance that um, you really need to make sure that that what you're worried about mm-hmm. is taken care of right and not feel like oh if I just don't tell them they won't notice because then when it does become an issue and you suddenly don't know that they've hired 20 more people or 100 more people right it could, and that changes their policy right so having an open relationship where you can feel like this is the path I'm headed down how is this going to affect my insurance moving forward that's an important conversation to have absolutely yeah several times per year not you're right not just one time per year but right. you know check in quarterly mm-hmm. if not even more mm-hmm. there's a lot of we have a lot of service in our in our industry so a lot of our clients we do talk to on a monthly basis because they're they're calling to pay or they're mm-hmm. calling to make a change or ask mm-hmm. a question or they need something or mm-hmm. they need an ID card or they need you know so we have a lot of service so it's great because we're able to keep building that relationship sure. over the months and the years right what do you think in terms of creating relationships what's been sort of your best practice for that and and do you think that relationship building is something that's just innate like you just know how to do it or did someone sort of teach you did your did your Nordstrom experience teach you how to create relationships with clients I think 100% my Nordstrom experience Mm -hmm. taught me how to uh, treat people Mm -hmm. because the expectation there was that number one the customer is always right Mm -hmm. which can be difficult for somebody to to grasp right Um, and then you know being able to be in a sales environment and be able to sell without selling Mm -hmm. I don't know if that can be taught I think either I I already had it Mm -hmm. or I was just so young and I was in a job where they just it just was the expectation and it just kind of I moved into that or Mm -hmm. I graduated into that or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure yeah I often ask my um, guests on the podcast about how they created how they figured out how to learn how to do relationships. And it's interesting how for those that do it really well, they have to kind of stop and think about, I think I was just born with it. Like I don't know any other way of doing business versus those who sort of have to be taught the best practices of of relationship building. And like you said, you're in a relationship driven um, business. There's you know, you can't let your customers wander off because they may wander off to another competitor, mm-hmm. but they also could wander off and get themselves in trouble mm-hmm. and from a, from a uh, insurance standpoint. So mm-hmm. who has been an important mentor for you in your life? That's a difficult question. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I haven't had many mentors, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, yeah. I've just kind of been on my own. Okay. That's taking it till I make it, yeah. you know? No, that's the best. That's the best recipe. It sounds sometimes. really bad to say that as a matter no. of fact, like thinking about it, you really <laughs> made me think. 
but um, you know, I, I had a coach. Okay. Um, uh, you probably know who he is. Yeah. Um, I met a gentleman at the university club that helped me um, through a real tough time in my business. Mm-hmm. You know, as an entrepreneur, like I said, I was a salesperson. Mm-hmm. So going from a salesperson to a business owner, um, it's a real mental shift. Mm-hmm. And you it's easy to get caught up in sales, sales, sale, revenue, revenue, revenue versus the management and the mm-hmm. and the entrepreneurial side of a business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I am one of those people that if I don't, if I know <laughs> it's not working, you just find someone to yeah. fix it. You yeah. know, it's like you just hire somebody else that knows that's an expert at that at that job. And so, um, I reached out to him, and he worked with me for about a year and a half, okay. and um, and helped me turn my business practices around, mm-hmm. put systems in place, and and he was a really really big mentor um, for my business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hired him, but he was yes. still a mentor. Right. So, um, and I'm not afraid to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll probably do it again here shortly when I start growing fast again, you yeah. know? So, um, no, I think that that coaching piece is often overlooked when we first get started because we think we can do it all and wear all those hats and how hard could this possibly be, right? I'm organized or I'm this or I'm that. But like you said, when you're spending so much time on the sales side, but nobody's running the business, mm-hmm. right? And those are two very different um, uh, responsibilities that you have as a mm-hmm. business owner. So I, I, I really, I too, as 11 years into my business as well, have have dipped in and out of coaching, um, kind of when you feel like you just need that extra support or that extra boost. And so, you know, I've, I, at first, and I've said this before on the podcast, I was sort of like, what's wrong with these people? Can't they figure their own stuff out? And then, you know, like, <laughs> know. why do you need to hire a coach? Really? Right? Like well, how hard could in, it possibly the, be? The thing and is, then is that we're in Southern California and like everyone has a life coach right. and a business coach and a health coach and a gym coach. And, like right. everyone is so coached, you know? Right. So for someone like me and you that we're busy, we're go, we're mm-hmm. A, we're, you know, on to mm-hmm. the next and we're, mm-hmm. we're going at it. It's like, it's easy to look at it. Like what is wrong with these yes, people? Exactly. But then, you know, I think that in, we may, some people may, <laughs> may overdo it, but I think it is a hundred percent of necessity. Yeah. At definitely. least, you know, for a management piece of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, what are you working on right now that, um, excites you? Anything in the business? What's new in the insurance um, industry? Anything exciting? Oh my gosh, there's so much changing in the insurance industry right now. I mean, just with all the technologies that that are happening, I mean, look at the cars that we're gonna be driving here soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at Uber, how we're getting around. You know, there's all these businesses that have had to make the insurance industry change Mm -hmm. because there wasn't a product to protect them and now we're creating it. So there's a lot of changes going on in the insurance industry. Um, But um, as far as our insurance agency, um, when I celebrated my 10 year anniversary of being in business, I decided um, instead of buying a car, I'm going to write a book. And so um, and so that's been our biggest excitement. Um, this last year is just really working on this project to get out to our clientele and our mm-hmm. prospects and just, you know, the community. Right. So what's the, what's the, um, the takeaway from the book? What motivated you? First of all, what was the missing piece that you felt like you needed to fill to write the book? 
it kind of goes back to what you and I spoke about earlier and you asking me what um, what do you think the biggest misconception of mm-hmm. insurance is with the clientele? Mm-hmm. And it really stems from that. Um, the book is really a how-to and it's a personal guide for a prospect or a business owner to be able to self-assess their own business in a really fast and simple way. So the book goes chapter by chapter with product types, but it's definitely not a product-driven book. It's more of a storytelling book, okay. which you're familiar with yes. and you love because yes. you're a storyteller yourself. Um, we deal with, a, we know a lot of stories. I mean, our, our whole entire business is a story, right? Sure. Somebody is going through something, it's pr- normally tragic, yeah. and then we come in and save the day, pay the bills, fix the problem. Okay. And so, um, but you just don't know what could or would happen. Mm-hmm. And this book is specifically for small business owners. It's for the entrepreneur and it's a look, an overview of all the different ways that something could go wrong and then the ways that those problems are fixed Mm -hmm. and it's done through storytelling. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think as you read the chapter, you'll probably think, Oh, thank goodness I wasn't that person, right? <laughs> That's the exactly. best way to learn is sort of in that fear of, oh, please don't let me be that person going through that experience, yeah, right? exactly. I'm sure you have some wild and wonderful stories now at 11 years into your business. Is there any that come to mind in terms of wild claims that you had to, that the company had to put out or... Oh my gosh, I've there you'll have to read the book. If yes. There's so many stories in there, but you know, I think the biggest takeaway and the most um, the tragic claim that I personally experienced, I was I think I must it was 5 or 6 months pregnant with my second child and a client of mine's home burned down. Mm. And it wasn't during a wildfire season or anything. What happened was the gentleman's truck was an older truck and it was sitting in front of his garage. And it caught on fire. The hood, the engine of the truck caught on fire because of these little spark plugs or something that are in the engine area. And it caught his house on fire because his his truck was parked in front of the garage. And um, his family was in the house and, you know, it was this big thing. When I went out to the claim um, to help this family with the claims adjusters team, I passed out. Oh my gosh. I, 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 my body totally shut down with just the whole tragic piece of it. Mm-hmm. Granted, I was pregnant, so yeah. that probably had something to do with it too. But any sort of tragic mm-hmm. or tragedy is so emotional. Mm-hmm. And at that moment in time, you're thinking, how am I going to get through this? Yeah. And it's very, very difficult to to have to go through, re- unless you've experienced something tragic like mm-hmm. that yourself, you just can't, can't understand. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's not about how much, it's about when or right. what, whatever, what was right, it that you right. said? Yeah, it's and not if, it's when. It's not if, it's when. And so, um, and it's so true. Yeah. And um, I always think back to that time when I was helping somebody else and my self-emotionally experienced Mm -hmm. tragedy because not only am I there to write a check, right? But you're there for emotional support too because they're looking to you as an advisor and as support and as a friend Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, it does matter who you work with in insurance. And I I hope that that's a takeaway for people listening to the story is that who are you going to call when something bad happens? Who do you want to call? Who do you want to be there for you? Do you want it to be a 1-800 number? Right. 
like a total stranger? Do you right. want to call Nicole or do yeah. you want to call, you know? Right. So. Exactly. No, I think that's, that's a, that's a point well made and that people often forget that, you know, insurance companies are living, breathing, emotional people who care about your clients and their situations and their tragedies and all of that, you know, that it's not just a 1-800 number, which oftentimes I think maybe in your industry might sort of get lumped into is just call the 1-800 number. It's somebody even in a different country who's taking that call. Whereas here you're saying, no, I'm the person who shows up. I'm the person who's going to be there right there with you in these moments of tragedy and really help you to get to the other side, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's, that's nice to have a face to the insurance industry. And speaking of changes in the industry, I mean, that's where a lot of companies are going to is it's going to 1-800 numbers. You can buy online, you Mm -hmm. can buy over the phone. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go into an agent's office anymore. You don't have to build that relationship. We're there for you. We'll give you a bundled discount. You know I mean? We'll, we'll save you on the cost and it's totally true. They do, but the reason, reality of what you're buying is you're buying somebody. Mm-hmm. You're buying someone to deliver. You're, right. de- you're, you're buying um, satisfaction and you're buying peace of mind and you're buying mm-hmm. all of these things that um, come along with that, you know paper in the mail that you're going to get, you know? Right, exactly. Well, that goes back to, I think, your Nordstrom training as well, because that's really the same as what Nordstrom delivers, right? I can buy that pair of shoes probably at 12 other stores or buy them online, but I know when I buy them at Nordstrom, with that is going to come customer service, the ability to return it, you know, with ease, somebody who's going to follow up with me if I have additional questions, you know, so I can see where you've taken that that school of thought and translated that into your business as well. So. The saddest part is that the Nordstrom store that I started working for here in San Diego is closed down at Horton Plaza. Oh, I and know. And that's just a, it's just a sign of the times yeah. is that, you know, even an, even a Nordstrom is having to close down stores. Yeah. And, and us as an agency and in the insurance industry, we're constantly having to change because if yeah. we don't change, then we'll be out of business as well. Right. So being able to help the Ubers and help the technology companies and to be able to, you know, and that's the other reason why I, I love farmers so much. And people ask me all the time, why don't you go independent? Why are you with farmers? And I have it all with farmers. Yeah. Why would I Why would I not be with farmers? Right. Because the reality is that if farmers can't write something, I just go somewhere else and I write mm-hmm. it with them and we can solve any problem that yeah. there is out there. And so... Um, it's been really cool and it's been yeah. really fun to see the changes and to be able to change with the environment because um, we're not going anywhere. Right. We, we love this business and we plan on having it for many, many years to come. Right. So um, we're totally open and willing to, to change mm-hmm. as the world changes with us. So let's talk a little bit about the world changing in terms of technology. You mentioned about, you know, products having, you know, te- the technology in cars and houses and all these things now. But let's talk from a business standpoint in terms of technology for the insurance industry. Um, I can now go onto a website and buy my policy without ever interacting with a human. Um, So that's either a positive or a negative, depending on how you look at it. But then also things like social media. You know, I know you do a lot with Facebook Live and you're connecting with your clients that way and through social media. But what parameters are set for your industry? Are there any? I mean, who's sort of creating the roadmap on on the use of technology in terms of building or allowing you to build your business as well? And how are you using social media to continue to grow your business? You know, there are a lot of parameters around the investment services that we provide. So a lot of our content um, is already 
done for us. Okay. It's done. Uh, we hire companies to create the content that are um, regulated mm-hmm. by our superiors, and then um, and then we go that way. As far as our Facebook lives and our more on the personal side posts. We just get around it by not mentioning any sort of product or service. Okay. We're building that relationship with the people. Mm-hmm. We're not building a relationship about a specific product. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about investments. I'm not talking about you know a specific coverage on a policy, mm-hmm. but I'm more connecting with a story or a person. Mm-hmm. So just like you're connecting with me mm-hmm. right now on the mm-hmm. podcast, maybe I would come in and interview you as an events planner right. and talk about, you know, the different kind of crazy stories of a claim that happened yep. as an event planner right. and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. people connect with that better anyways. Right. I mean, that's what marketing is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I know it to be about anyways. I know there's all the other yes. kinds, but um, that's the kind that I enjoy and have, have passion about. Right. What about millennials? Are they educated in insurance or is that something just their parents had? I mean, it, from you, we've now, you and I both have been in business long enough, like it's a generation, we've moved on, right? We're not the young kids running mm-hmm. our businesses. So now the young kids, they're running their businesses. But what are those kind of conversations like? Are most millennials in that mindset of protecting themselves from an insurance standpoint? Or is that still feel like there's an opportunity for a lot of education for that particular um demographic? I think that there's a lot of opportunity for education in all demographics. (laughs) And that's just the truth. Specifically for millennials, we do get a lot of phone calls. It's a parent passing us off, passing their child off to us. It's actually a really cool environment. And we get a lot from people that are out of state moving their children out here for school or whatever and so it's really fun to have those conversations and they're open Mm -hmm. I think they're open I think that it's not um, um, a matter of of you know I don't want to deal with it or whatever Um, you know we invite them to come in and then again we're building that with them Mm -hmm. and you know it doesn't work out for everybody because people just sometimes don't have time but for the most part people are are open and they're like oh I didn't know that that's so cool yeah so um, um, so yeah, good. We don't have a problem with well, that. How do you market your business when you have so much competition? What makes you stand out, or what has worked for you? Um, you know, we used to hit the streets hard when we first started. Like I said, we literally started with zero, mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of different avenues. Now, the majority of our business comes from referrals from our, our book of current book of business. Yeah, so, nice. um, you know, I think it's just mostly word of mouth grassroots, um, which I love, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, San Diego is so, it's a huge city, but it's so small. Yes. And so being able to, um, you know, just be a part of the community Mm -hmm. has, has really been my biggest marketing effort Mm -hmm. and that's what's worked for us the most. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about golf. I know oh, I love golf. <laughs> I know you love I'm golf. I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> and it's hard to not um, pair golf with farmers, right? Because you guys have your big farmers invitational. Farmers, farmers in- open. Open. Mm-hmm. Okay. January. I'm not a golfer, so I'll just <laughs> pretend like I know what I'm talking about now. But um, obviously you love golf personally, but how has golf, has that helped your business as well? You know, they always say business is done on the golf course, right? right. That's where the men go. So as right. a woman, how have you used golf in terms of growing your business or have you? I absolutely have. You know, um, golf is one of those games where um, it's, lo- it's it's a time commitment, right? Mm-hmm. So you get to be with whoever you're playing with for 
three to six hours. I mean, dependent upon right. what you're doing, whether it's a tournament or you're just playing a normal game. And so um, the opportunity to actually build a relationship and get to know somebody, ask questions mm-hmm. is, is huge. So um, we really strategically plan who we want to invite, mm-hmm. where we're going to go, how long of a game is it going to be? Okay. Um, will there be beverages involved <laughs> or not? You know, things like that. Because yeah. um, the reality is that absolutely there are a lot of of deals done on the golf course. And I think it's, again, just about getting to know somebody mm-hmm. and them getting to know me. Right. And it's an opportunity for me to be able to share myself with with whoever I'm with. Right. So how often do you use the game of golf in business? Do you try to get out once a week, once a month? You know, on when I'm when I'm on a good one, it's once a week. Okay. Like on the regular, it's at least once a month, okay. if not twice a month. Okay. Um, I normally play a short course once a week, and then mm. I'll play a big course, like a full eighteen holes, um, one at least once a month. Okay. Yeah. So it's not too much. I mean, again, yeah. I have to fit a lot into so many hours of the day, yes, right? But right. golf is a hundred percent a priority. And, um, you know, it's, it's so easy now. I mean, with our schedules, I have a cousin who is a golf course architect and he's, um, designing these courses for people just like me and you that are on a time constraint. They love the game of golf, but they can't spend five hours out on the golf course. Right. And so, um, um, there's pitch and putt courses all over San Diego Mm -hmm. and I'll just go at eight o'clock in the morning and get it done in an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm at the office by nine 30 and it's perfect. And it allows me to clear my head and maybe I'll invite somebody with me or I'll Mm -hmm. just go by myself. Yeah. I mean, as much as it is great for, for the game of business, right. It's also great for the mind. Right. Definitely. You and I, uh, are both members of the University Club here in San Diego, and that's how we originally met. Talk a little bit about what that membership means to you and why you decided to join the professional organization. You know, I've been a member at the University Club for eight years now, mm-hmm. and um, I was initially invited by my attorney. And as you know, you have to have an invitation yes. to become a member. Mm-hmm. You no, know, anybody can just join. Right. So when he invited me, I was honored. And I felt like if you think that it's a good idea, I'll give it a try. Why not? And so um, I joined and I liked it, um, but I didn't love it until I got involved on a committee. Yes. And I got invited to be a part of the Young Executive Society. Mm -hmm. And... um, that really is what flourished that relationship for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I met some of my closest friends now on that council. We've mm-hmm. pl- we planned tons and tons of amazing parties. And since then, I've moved on to different committees throughout right. the years. But I think really just staying involved um, within the community of the university mm-hmm. club versus just having a membership there right. has really allowed me to... Um, again, build those relationships and then obviously do more business. Yeah. I'm not asking anybody for business there. It just automatically happens. Mm -hmm. People are asking me for help. And that's what the university club provides is an environment for people to be a professional, be an expert, have a drink, have breakfast, go to an event, Mm -hmm. socialize, and then do business on the side. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. And I think that 
our membership of the university club really reflects on the importance of getting involved. You know, it's very easy to start spending money all over town. You could be have a membership here or this networking organization or this women's group or this or this or this. But if you aren't going to use it, it's such a waste of money. A hundred percent. You know, and there have been many people you meet at the university club who say, I almost gave up my membership until I joined a committee and then I got involved. And this is certainly not a commercial for the importance of joining a committee at the university club, right. but you and I both have benefited from that. But also just whatever your university club is, be it a women's group, a golf club, yeah, a rotary, a rotary or- whatever it might be, you've got to get involved. Otherwise, it's just a waste of your time and your $25 or your $50 or your $75 to, to attend something. You know, I think that people just sort of think if I become a member, then, it, you know, it'll, you know, if they build it, they will come or if I build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. And it, that's not necessarily the truth. You still have to put in the work. Yeah. Yes, it's a beautiful place to go have breakfast. But if you're always having breakfast by yourself, you know, you're not growing your business. And so, you know, hopefully that is a, a little bit of a motivator for anybody who's listening that it's not just about being a member, but you have to be engaged in, in what you're doing in order to maximize it. Absolutely. You know, if you really, if your goal is to grow your business, you got to get involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get your hands dirty. Definitely. So let's circle back to the book for a second. What's the timeline on the book? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Put a little fire under yes. me. Um, you know what? I, I finished my first draft. Amazing. And that was two months ago. Okay. My job now is to read my first draft, okay. which I'm so nervous yep. to do. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've started and then we actually just went through a huge insurance claim ourselves. We're, mm. we're literally still living not in our house oh, from, a, from a kitchen flood. Oh, no. And, um, and so I thought maybe I'll have time to do it during this time and it's yeah. totally not. So I'm going to be putting myself into a writing retreat here in the next couple of weeks and Good. read through the whole first draft. My goal was to have it published by the end of the year. And I think that's an unrealistic goal. Okay. However, it's not impossible. It's so not impossible. if I can, if I can focus and really mm-hmm. get it done, then it'll be out by the end of the year, yeah. which I'm super excited about Yeah, because all I have is about three more rounds of editing and that's uh-huh. it. Perfect. So, and that's super smart that, or that you are now in a place of editing, right? The biggest thing is get the words on the page. Oh yeah. Right. And that was the best piece of advice I had when I was writing my book is just keep moving forward. Yeah. You can always go back. You can always enhance a story. You can always edit, but just get the words on the page. Mm-hmm. So what was your process like when you were writing? Did you carve out time, specific time for writing or did you sort of stop when you became inspired? What was, did you have a sort of formal process for yeah. writing the draft? I have tried every formal process <laughs> <laughs> because I'm an insurance agent. Yeah. I am not an author. Right. I am not a writer. Um, I actually love to write. I love to journal. I love uh-huh. to, to do that kind of stuff. But that's not real writing, yeah. you know? And right. so, um, yeah, I, I've tried 10 minutes a day. I've tried five minutes a day. I've tried an hour a day. I've tried mm. two hours a day. I've mm-hmm. tried every other day. I've tried nights. I've tried mornings. I literally tried everything. Yeah. And what I've come to find as the only way that I can get the paper on the, the, the words on the page is I needed a full day. Okay. So I need about an hour, hour and a half just to settle down mm-hmm. and focus. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so that 10 minutes a day was a total waste. That's not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I can get into about a four to six hour um, session. Okay. And just write and write and write and write and write. And then obviously you have to take breaks. Sure. But that's the best way that I've found. Mm-hmm. So I have to block off a day or two. Okay. And um, and that's how I was able to finally finish because 
I went through months of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have anybody coaching you along this process or did you just decide one day, I think I'm going to write a book and I'm just going to start putting, I'm just going to start typing. Oh, you know me so well. Of course I hired somebody. (laughs) (laughs) When When I figured I am not the expert, then yes, I did partner with a company, a wonderful company that, um, that is an expert at, um, at helping people like me that have a dream to do it mm-hmm. and don't know where to start. Yeah, um, The company's called Author Bridge Media, and uh-huh. I'm sure you know Helen Chang, because mm-hmm. I met yeah. her as a member of the University yeah. Club, and that's another, you know, yep. it's not all about the University Club, not to bring it back to that, but it's not about just growing my business. Right. It's about, I'm a client too. Yes. And so she had a service and, and she fulfilled that service that I yeah. needed at that specific moment. Yeah, right. And, um, so yeah, they've been a, a godsend really being able to guide me through, mm-hmm. you know, how, what and when and where and, and, um, and then they'll do all my editing for me. Great. They're actually going to do my, um, my layouts. They're going to do my book cover design. They're yeah. they're They've been a great resource because yeah. for me to go out and outsource everything, Right. I don't have time for that. I don't right. even know where to start. Right. So right. just go to the experts. Yeah. They, but you know, there is a lot to publishing a book beyond just putting the words on the page. Some t- I found actually the writing was the easiest part. It was everything else yeah. around it from finding the right publisher or, you know, self-publisher to the right mm-hmm. designer to design your cover. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff matters. You know, it needs, it's almost as important as what's actually inside the book, um, at least to get it onto the shelf or wherever you're going to distribute it. So I, and I also found too, that just having, um, I had a, um, I guess I would say it was a coach as well. Um, just having that accountability, she would set some deadlines for me because, you know, like you, there's a million things going on. And so it'd be very easy to say, Oh, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that tomorrow. But if it's a priority and the words are there and the stories are ready to be told, it's important that you honor that and give, and give that time and have deadlines in order to say, okay, I've got to get two chapters done in the next week or two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, so that I stay on, stay on, on path. So, yeah. so that's exciting. I'm super excited for you. Yeah, I am too. And you know, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things that I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Never thought I would do it about yeah. my business. Yeah. Thought it would be something totally different, uh-huh. but this just really makes sense for the time that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that is needed. The public needs. Yeah. And, um, and I'm excited to share it, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, thanks for bringing yeah, it up. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Does it have a title yet or is it that do- under wraps? It doesn't have a title. And you know, that's the funniest part is that um, I could have just had it ghostwritten. Mm-hmm. I'm much easier. Let me just tell you all the stories right. and you write it. Yeah. But of course, that's not the path I chose. Nope. And I was like, nope, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to write it myself. Of course. And so, um, you know, being able to go through that process and really getting deep into myself mm-hmm. and deep into my mind and, mm-hmm. and meditate on it and really allow the words to come out mm-hmm. versus me telling. Yes. Um, is a process in itself. Yes. And it's almost magical mm-hmm. because... I'll get into the zone and then I'll read what I wrote and I'm like, that is not me. Yeah. I can't believe I wrote that. Interesting. It's a really cool process. And so I think that's why it's taken me a little bit longer Mm -hmm. too, because I'm really becoming embraced in that feeling of, Mm -hmm. wow, like I can really do this and and this stuff is really good. And I I want the title to be organic like that as well. So I don't want to just name my book and then... 
you know, I want the name to come from the content and really um, it just be organic. Like that was what the book was supposed to be called. And I think you'll find that. I think once you have completed the process and then it's sort of like naming your child, right? Eventually you know what the right name is for your child. And so uh, I think you'll, you'll find that that's, that's what will happen. So that's a good segue into being a mom. So I, um, I know you've got two beautiful little boys who you mentioned earlier. So you're a business owner and a mom. And so what has that process been like for you in terms of juggling lots of balls now in the air? Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of, of calendaring. Mm. My calendar has never been more important than it is Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. I live and die by that thing. Um, you know, and, and now they're getting older. So it's a lot of, um, there's a lot more involved with activities and Mm -hmm. places to be and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, when I got married and I had my first child, I thought, maybe I'll be a stay-at-home mom. Like Mm. I always dreamed of being a stay-at-home mom. And then I was three months into my maternity leave and was like, I have got to get back to work. (laughs) Like I could not wait to get back to my office. And luckily I had a job where I could pop in and out whenever I want. And, um, you know, everything was being handled on the backside. But um, yeah, I, I fairly quickly learned that that isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be a working mom and it's okay to have a career and it's yeah. okay to be, you know, driven mm-hmm. and, um, have goals for your own. And, um, um, so that was my path mm-hmm. and, um, and I'm totally happy with it and I wouldn't trade anything. My kids are amazing and, um, and my kids are happy. They're happy yeah. to see me, um, as, uh, a working mom. Yeah. Uh, my son Giovanni, who's five, he asked. He's asked me this twice now, and I don't know where he quite gets this from. Um, I'm going to blame it on school, but um, he asked me, um, "Mommy, who's the boss? Are you the boss of Daddy, or is Daddy the boss of you?" Oh, interesting. And I'm like, "Where did you get this question?" And he's yeah. asked it to me twice, and my answer to him was, "We're not the boss of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we we live together, and we make choices together, mm-hmm. and we're your parents. Yeah, and neither one of us." are the boss of each other. And it's interesting because I think what he sees is both of us are high level Uh um, bosses in his mind. You know, we're, we're their boss and we have these jobs and we're Mm -hmm. doing these pickups and the drop-offs, you know, we're managing everything. And and both of my husband and I are very hands-on. I am very lucky in the fact that we're, we're, definitely co-parenting nice. and both of us are very involved. And so the kids see that. Mm-hmm. And so they don't know who the boss is. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know if it's me or my husband, <laughs> which I think is a good sign. That is a good sign. Yeah, no, that is a good sign. And I think it's also good to s- that they see, you know, obviously being little boys, they see a woman who's handling her business in lots of different ways. You know, they're going to grow up understanding that women are strong and successful and mm-hmm. can run businesses and, and still be great at being a mom and you know that's I think an important lesson Mm -hmm. for them that will serve them well going forward and Giovanni loves to come to my office I have the TV and he gets to watch cartoons and I get to work and and he's like I want to go to your office again you know and he knows that and when we drive down forth he's like hey there's your office like he totally relates to mommy's business yeah and I want him to see that Mm -hmm. you know I want him to um, to see that it's not just you know a man's world it's a woman's world out there too and um 
and um, all of his friends are girls, so yeah, so that's good. He needs to learn it early. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, when is the last time you asked for help in the spirit of the Big Ask podcast? Mm. Have there been times in your business or in your life when you've really had to ask for help, and, and has that changed the trajectory of the situation? Um, like I said, I did ask for help when I hired my first coach in my mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. and um, and. I don't ask for help very often though. And that I could get better at asking for help. I mean, you're so right. Yes. We need to do that more. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, probably similar to you, it's we're go, go, go. And we just, we just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's very difficult for me to, to take a pause and take a break. And that's Mm kind of where the book came into it a lot. It made me take a break. Like you have to take a break and then really look at the bigger picture and look at what's going on and, and, and look at my accomplishments, you know, I mean, um, 10 years has gone by fast. I know you and I are in the same 2007, actually next week. What is today? The sixth? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly a week. I'm uh, exactly 11 years next next week. So it has gone fast, right? Exactly. July, July 13th, 2007. I decided to start it on Friday the 13th. I thought what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) You sound like me. That's something I would do too. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. So what could possibly go wrong? So no, it, it's, it's the, the thing I love the most and the thing that sometimes drives me the most crazy, you know, is owning a business and um, and just everything that's come with it. I You think you know until you're in it. And then mm-hmm. most days you're like, I don't have a clue yeah. what I'm doing. But, you know, I think like you, I've surrounded myself with people who have been mentors and guides and just even being around other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I think that's super in- important as an entrepreneur is you have to surround yourself with people who get it because the nine to fivers can appreciate what you do, but they don't necessarily understand it when they're just collecting a paycheck. Absolutely. You know, there's no, there's no paycheck to collect for you and I, if we take our foot off the, the pedal, mm-hmm. you know, so that's important to surround yourself with a community of people. And so I'm grateful that you're in my community. Me too. Yeah. All right. So we always end every podcast, um, with rapid response. So, okay. Okay. So these are the 10 questions for this season of the podcast. Do I get a prize after this? Yeah, you get, you get another high five. <laughs> yes. Okay. So these are super fun. No right or wrong answer. These are just, let's Am I going to be embarrassed? It depends on what you tell us. (laughs) I hope so. That'll be a good story. I know. Right? Okay. Let's do it. All right. Title of your lifetime movie. Uh, No title. No title. (laughs) No movie. No movie. (laughs) Okay. Um, If you could change places with any celebrity right this minute, who would it be? I don't watch TV. I don't even know who's a celebrity right now. <laughs> Maybe a golfer? No. No? Oh, okay. We got to get you out, Jasmine. I know. We got to get you out. Okay. When do you feel happiest? At home with my kids. Okay. If you're running for politics, what would be your biggest campaign promise? Have fun. Okay. Ultimate dinner party. Which four guests do you invite? Which what? Four guests do you invite? Out of like the whole world? Mm-hmm. Real, fictional, living, dead. Doesn't matter. Who do you want at your dinner party? Oh my God. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> we have a spot for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is going to be there for sure. Okay. Um, man, these are tough questions. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have thought about all this stuff before. <laughs> I know it's rapid response. Lord knows I don't host dinner parties. So oh, that's gosh. probably why I, I can't, I can't think of who I would even invite. Okay. My family. Okay. Right this minute, you have to get a tattoo. Oh, 
What do you get and why? Don't don't give me the like I don't like tattoos because I don't like them either. But I think it's an interesting question. So right this minute, I have my my ink pen and I'm going to tattoo you. Oh God, I guess a period somewhere hidden. <laughs> a period. A period. <laughs> Not even a an dot. exclamation point. A dot. Just a dot. Just a okay. dot. <laughs> In between my toes or something. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, biggest pet peeve in business? Oh, people that answer their phone and then say, hey, can I call you right back? And they never do. Well, no, just don't answer the phone don't then. Don't answer the phone. Okay. What is your wish for the next generation? Oh, my wish for the next generation is just to do what they love. Find something that they do what they love. Good. Uh, when does your light shine the brightest? My light shines the brightest when I'm making somebody else happy. Okay. Uh, what is your big ask, either personal or professional, right this minute, and how can we help you? Oh, my big ask, professionally, we're always hiring, so if you know anybody that okay. is looking for a different career, okay, um, keep us in mind or just pass my name and business off to somebody. Okay. Um, personally, just, um, you know, Think of me as a resource and a friend. That's mm-hmm. all, you know, um, and to be open to have a relationship, yeah. you know, and to know people, you know, we got to take that time to just, you know, we're all humans. Yeah. We're all people and we have feelings and we are all busy too. Mm-hmm. All of us are busy. Mm-hmm. You're not the only one. Yeah. I'm busy too. You don't get to own busy. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> You're not a special unicorn, right? You exactly. don't get to own busy. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, thank you for saying yes to being on the podcast when I asked. Um, you're amazing. So what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you? Um, I have a website. It's just my first and last name, jasminecorona.com. They can also reach me on all the social media platforms. Mm -hmm. We're on Instagram. We're Mm -hmm. on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, I have personal pages as well as business pages. So my personal is just my first and last name, Jasmine Corona. Uh Sometimes it's backwards, Corona Jasmine, but that's okay. Uh, Either way, you'll figure it out. And, um, And then my business is just Jasmine Corona Insurance Agency. So, okay, great. Well, we'll make sure we get those in the show notes as well. So it's easy for people to, um, to reach out to you. So thank you for listening to the Big Ass Podcast and for spending time um, with me and Jasmine today. Reviews and sharing our podcast is the best way you can help a podcast grow. If you like what you heard, please give us a quick rating or review. To stay connected with the Big Ass Podcast, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Big Ask Podcast. Until next time, I hope you will find your voice and put your big ask out into the world to create the life you want to live. Thanks so much, Jasmine and you have a great day. Thank you so much too. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Big Ass Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe to and share the podcast with your friends. And be sure to connect with me on social at Miss Nicole Matthews or at Big Ass Podcast. Until next time, let today be the day you make a big ask. Big Ass.